Broken trust can be healed, but it's not just time that's going to heal it. You need clear guidance about what to do and what not to do. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I've developed a free video course called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This course will show you what's needed to begin healing after betrayal. I offer guidance for the betrayed partner as well as the partner who broke the trust. You can access it for free right now by clicking the link in the show notes. Today's episode is a second interview I did with Erica Wilcox, LPC. She's a licensed professional counselor in Connecticut, and she is the owner of Wilcox Wellness, a therapy group out there. And she's a specialist in doing EMDR trauma work. EMDR, of course, last episode, we talked about it. It's a type of trauma therapy that helps people heal from the impact of any kind of trauma. And in this episode today, Erica and I are going to talk about pep talks which is a concept she came up with to help us have healthy conversations with ourselves to put everything back into perspective. There's a lot of negative chatter, a lot of shame-based thinking that we do, self-criticism, and all kinds of unhealthy thinking errors that we just get caught up in as humans. And Erica is such a great out-of-the-box thinker and so creative and has come up with some fantastic ways, some actionable ways that we can put things in perspective quickly, get back on track, and just make improvements. And you might even find as you're listening to this episode that there are some very specific things you can start doing right away as you're listening, which is so awesome. So many times we think change has to be this long, arduous process. And certainly there are situations where things are really messy and it takes a while, but there's little things we can begin doing right away. And I just think that's great. So Erica has some of those ideas and some support with this project that she's been working on with Pep Talks. And uh, she's definitely someone you'll want to follow on social media. And I'll, I'll mention that at the end where you can find her stuff because uh, she's super great, creative, awesome stuff. Okay. If you want to learn more about Erica, then you can check out the bio in the show notes. But otherwise, let's jump in so you guys can meet her and hear what she has to say. Here's my interview with Erica Wilcox. Well, welcome back to the Illuminate Podcast, Erica. It's good to be with you once again. Hi. Good to see you again. So our, me. Yeah, you're welcome. And I'll tell you, the last interview we did around EMDR was getting in some heavy stuff, right? We're talking <laughs> about trauma, right. therapy, clinical words. Like it can just feel really like, like, oh, that's heavy. Like it's just big. And so I think sometimes, like you said, you know, we need to kind of swing back and forth, right? Left and right. And so in this episode, I love what we're going to talk about, that we're going to talk about basically when we're feeling sort of weighed down that things are a little heavy. Sometimes it's nice to step outside some of the jargon and the clinical stuff and the heavy stuff and just whatever, and just recenter and get refocused. And in a sense, really kind of do our own self-help and be able to infuse mm -hmm. ourselves with, a, with you know, some perspective, some balance, some energy, some clarity. And this is something you're working on in a project right now, a book you're writing about pep talks for ourselves, right? And so I'm just excited to talk about some really practical things and just some ideas here of what people can do when they're feeling weighed down and burdened, whether it's talking about a heavy topic or just life's crowding them out or other things like that. So will you just kind of dive in here? I just want to pass it off to you and tell us about what you're working on, why you're doing this, what exactly this is going to be in our interview today. I'd love to have you just jump right yeah. in. Yeah. Sure. I'm excited. And thanks for the introduction. Right. I think, you know, we if someone were to ask me, what is the one thing I would like in my 
years of being a therapist, as being a human being on earth and all the other roles, what's the one thing that I know to be true? And that about other people and ourselves is that, and that's people underestimate their ability to cope. People cope. Mm. We're resilient. We can work through things. So true. We need help. Nobody's supposed to go it alone and we can cope. And so, and what I'm writing, and that really inspired me to start writing pep talks of conversations that help put everything into perspective. If you just think about maybe times where you were feeling overwhelmed or you had to make a hard decision or you were pulled in a lot of different directions and felt just not yourself. And if you're maybe had a coach or a caretaker figure or a friend or someone just remind you like, hey, you've got this. You need to get clear on this and bring you back to your authentic, awesome self. And then you get back in and you can move forward and do what you need to do to cope. So that's, that's my goal with pep talks is to help bring some ideas and some conversations that can bring some clarity, confidence and calm to people when they need it and make it accessible. So what were all those four C's you just said? Confidence, confidence, clarity, and calm. Oh, there were three of them. Confidence, clarity, and calm. I love it. I love it. We could add a fourth creativity, creativity. Yeah. See, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. When you talk about this, I love it. When you talk about this, I think I envision in my mind's eye, like a bigger, wiser, stronger person putting their big arm around me and just helping me like not veer off the path and just going to get recentered and really reconnect to like what I already know instinctively, right? right? Or what my life has already taught me or what I know inside my, my soul, my heart, like what I know to be true and those reminders, because we all need that. Absolutely. Yep. Every single one of us. Right. Yeah. And I love, I love what you said that humans that we, one of the things that we maybe forget, but is so absolutely true is our ability to be resilient. I mean, I think about, I mean, we celebrate these, these incredible survival stories, like, you know, Ernie Shackleton and his group going down to Antarctica and like having this horrific Mm -hmm. experience of being in this no man's land. And they all, you know, they all came back alive. I mean, it's just like mind blowing, right? Or individual accounts of people that have survived terrible childhoods or other things like that. Concentration camps. I mean, we have so many examples throughout history of, of people overcoming just impossible odds. And, but yet sometimes I feel like I'm not going to get through today. Right. Right? Adulting is hard. It's It's so hard times. Like we see other people do it or we believe it's like, yes, like we celebrate the human spirit or we know that it's possible to overcome these impossible odds, but it's like, but I can't fold the laundry today. Right. And we, so we need communication and relationship and connection to move through that. And sometimes it's younger parts of ourselves that are trying to, to drive the bus that makes it so hard. You know, (laughs) someone's, someone's disappointed in me. And I suddenly, you know, get an up or someone's not happy with me because I set a boundary and now I become so worried about what they think of me. Well, is that really my adult self here? Yeah. Or is that what, what age does this feel right now? And that's one part of the pep talks, like what age does that feel? But some questions sometimes can prompt things. And so I can share with you um, a couple of my top ones. And these were born out of. In transparency, these are born out of my own, very often, morning journaling reflections of 
what my mind's most creative and most active in the morning in that way, if I'm by myself and I'm kind of thinking about something, or maybe it was something that came up in my work throughout the week with clients, a theme that kind of popped up. And so they were born out of that. So it's a little piece of me and all of it that hopefully can yeah, well, Hope others. <laughs> before you start sharing these tips, I'm just going to make a plug for following you on social media because ever since I met you, goodness, it's been almost two years now that we yeah. first, yeah, that we first met each other in this creativity group we were in together, this therapist group. I started following you on Instagram and just the handwritten little notes that you take pictures of. Yeah. The thoughts, the the perspectives, they're the little pep talks. They're like, that's, I mean, that's so, so much of how you think and the reframing and just the reminders have been a tremendous support to me. Oh, and I've, I've screenshot a lot of them. I've saved them. Not only do you have nice handwriting, mm-hmm. so they're easy to read. Thank you very much. <laughs> but they're actually- I'm a lefty too. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. But the content is really good. And so these, oh, these, you. yeah, these musings, these ruminations, these thoughts, these sort of like inspirational moments that you've collected and put on paper and passed around. Obviously the book will be fantastic and, and I look forward to reading that. But in the meantime, listeners, I'll put a link to her social media in the show notes, but go follow her and go back through the history. You'll see a lot of what we're talking about here because this is the way she thinks and, and connects and creates. It's just beautiful. So why don't you share some of your pep talks with us? Tell us some of the, the ones that maybe some of your top ones or the things that you've discovered that have helped keep you back on track and getting you back to your life. Yeah. And thank you for your kind words. That means, that really means a lot. I take that to heart. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you bet. So the first one is, so usually, usually they always start with a question and it's, does this nourish me or deplete me? Mm. And I think when there's a lot going on, when people are managing a lot of different priorities, it's easy to lose sight of oneself and breaking it. When there's a lot of things going on, breaking it down into those two categories can really help streamline what's going on. And so getting clear on times where I've been, and even in the book, There'll be some journal prompts of that to kind of take a deeper dive into it. So the option of like keeping it surfacey if you want to, like that's cool. But if you want to go deeper dive, there's option for that there. But what are things that nourish me? Do I really know what that is in terms of people, places, or things? And where does that show up in my body? How do I know that? Because our mind may tell us one thing, but our body may tell us an- another And so starting to connect with what are the things that are really nourishing to me and what are the things that deplete me and are taking my time and attention that really are taking more from me than I'm getting. So in adult land, because, you know, adulting is hard, we can't avoid all of the depleting things. We can't avoid it. There's things that are going to be depleting, but we are absolutely responsible for re-nourishing ourselves and self-care taking before, during, and after some of those things that may deplete us. And so noticing how, for example, relationships, if you have a friendship that maybe is based up, has a lot of history behind it, because sometimes people stay in relationships just because there's a lot of history, not necessarily because it's still healthy or it is healthy. And if you notice man, every time they text me or call, I feel the sense of like, oh, I just already feel drained in my body. I can feel a sinking or 
or my heart's racing. And after I spend time with them, I'm not feeling energized. I'm not feeling too happy. I'm not feeling like I had a great connection. That's an indicator that it's depleting you. And you have, you then have a choice point of that because knowledge is power. Once we know if something's depleting us, nourishing us, we have a choice point if we want to leave it, take it, or triage it to decide what to do. And so that simple question really can help that guides me through my daylight. Like, is this going to nourish me or is it going to deplete me? And if it's going to deplete me and I have to do it, how am I going to get back some of that energetic nutrition, so to speak, so that I still have the stamina and connectedness to do what I need to do? I love, yeah, I love this. And, you know, I think about, I know in my own life, sometimes I'm afraid to cut something out that's depleting because I think, well, maybe I want to come back to it, you know, maybe, you know, so in terms of thinking about seasons of my life, or maybe I'm in the middle of a big project right now, or I've got some stressful things going on, health issues or family issues or other commitments. And so, but I, I love the permission to just ask that question as a, as, you know, as, as a yes or no. Um, as a black and white, mm-hmm. just to get clarity to say like, okay, so right now, this thing is not nourishing me. And can I let it go for a season mm-hmm. or maybe forever? But right now it's not working. Right. And boy, that's just some nice tuning up and cleaning up so that we can then, like you said, power on for the things that we, you know, we don't have a choice we need to do. So obviously like, you know, taking care of children, for example, <laughs> children are not always <laughs> nourishing. You know, we definitely have our moments, right. you know, where we look at them and we're like, wow, what a great life, or this is so amazing. But most of it is, is hard work, especially when they're little. Or, and so then, then, like you said, if we're committing to that and that's where we're going to spend a lot of our energy, then looking at all the other places that might be depleting that don't support us in that other bigger task. And it really does right. take a lot of honesty and an inventory, a lot of courage to, to cut right. some things out. Yeah. And no, and getting really clear on what truly nourishes you, mm-hmm. not what others or society lead you to believe it should. So there's, you know, there's a lot of conditioning, you know, where I've felt in my life that, hey, I'm, I'm most nourished by working, 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 and that's, or building a business and doing this and having 10 irons in the fire because of being a woman in business, that's kind of ingrained in my mind and celebrated when you have a lot going on. But when I have too much going on, that does not nourish me. It depletes me. So I have choice points to make about how I want to prioritize my time, energy, attention, because what nourishes me most is like really creative pursuits, like writing, which is why I'm writing the book, because it nourishes me, right? Because other things were depleting, like movement, like music, like art, these things that a lot of people did in childhood that we lost sight of because of all of the responsibilities of adulthood that we have to contend with. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love this permission to, to look at, you know, the messages from your family or from your culture, even your neighborhood, right? Of what you should be doing that should nourish you. And you may be somebody where none of that nourishes you. Mm-hmm. And you may feel like, well, this is like my programming or these are the expectations. And to really give yourself permission to either modify it or eliminate it if it's really not nourishing you. And, and I, I just love the idea that, you know, that part of being an adult is obviously doing hard things, but it's also not having to do some things. <laughs> right. Yeah. Choice and voice. That's right. We have choice and voice and things. I know. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. My, we just launched our second son recently and he's all, I love being an adult. This is the best. And I said, right. Cause you get to like do whatever you want. And you also get to live with the consequences of doing whatever you want. Right. And I said, but you still get to choose a ton of stuff. It's pretty awesome. And this is a great example of that, right? Like I get to decide what energizes and what depletes and do something about it. It's fantastic. Yes. It's a great reframe. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. My second one I go to a lot is learning the difference between shutting down versus choosing not to engage. Oh, yes. Fine line, but big difference. Fine (laughs) line, big difference. Oh, preach. Say more. The the two. You know, so in stress, in stress or distress, parts all sometimes of ourselves default to fight, flee, freeze, fawn, or attach in order to survive. And so we see it at a primal level with in this, especially if you watch, you know, animals in the wild, right? But it shows up on really subtle yet powerful ways in our relationships with ourselves and with others. And so shutting down is generally not within our control. And so shutting down in conflict or relationship with other people or oneself is like going offline. There's no connection to it. There's no intentionality between it. Or sometimes that shutting down can be used intentionally or unintentionally as a method for control. So if we're in disagreement or conflict with our partner, spouse, or somebody else, that shutting down can look like stonewalling, where it's like, okay, this conversation's over, or I'm done. They walk away, and there's no, the other person's left, like, they just took all the power of that interaction with them out the door. And so that shutting down sometimes can be a trauma response, sometimes it can be a control response, but choosing not to engage is within our awareness, and it's an attempt, it's an actionable step to contain and protect your peace, to say, I'm not going to give this my time or attention or energy right now and effectively communicating that. And so learning that the difference between that and just even that question can kind of prompts like, am I shutting down or am I just going to choose not to engage right now? Because one comes from a place of disempowerment and one comes from an informed choice. And usually there's an intention to return back to the choosing not to engage so you can move through it that way. Right. And sometimes I, I know in my own life, there have been periods where I shut down and I'm, yeah. do, I'm doing it for a while. And then I realize, and I, I think this is, you know, I think you're making this point really well. I'm just connecting with it and, and realizing, wow, there are so many times I have just shut down almost involuntarily. Right. I just, oh yeah, it's like, I just hit a wall, an invisible wall that I didn't even know was there. And then, then it raises to the level of consciousness where somebody is like, Hey, are you okay? Or I noticed you've been kind of withdrawn and I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I need to choose what I'm going to do with this. Am I going to re-engage? No, now it's going to be a conscious choice. I'm choosing to actually still not, I'm still choosing to withdraw from this, but now it's mm-hmm. conscious and now I'm doing it. And, right. I, and I feel more free because I know when I've, when you're shutting down, it's a drain. It's different. Yeah, it absolutely. feels different. Yep. yep. And you'll have that shutdown is part of a survival response to the world would have a lot less possums if we did not have like this shutdown of survival because they played like they shut down they just turn off they play dead right to survive yeah because all survival strategies are are equal one's no better than the other it's just whatever is going to work the best 
And so sometimes in conflict with people or whatever is going on, part of our brain interprets that as, oh, this is an immediate, and we go offline with that and, and check out. And so that's different than this is too much right now. And I'm going to choose not to engage with that. I need to table it for another time, or I need to walk away and not return to it for whatever reason. Do you think that most of us, do you think that most of us probably walk through the door of choosing not to engage first by shutting down involuntarily? Or do you think we ever do? I mean, do you ever approach something consciously like I'm not going to engage in that? For me, it's, I feel like I'm speaking for myself, obviously. I feel like for me, it's like, yeah. It's like I enter into choosing not once I sort of realize, huh, I'm kind of like powering down around this. Right. Yeah. I think that's a really good point and accurate in that sense. And that's, and my experience has been of that and with other people and I'm kind of scanning my memory Yeah. in that times when things become, when it's, if it's not, if it's too much in that moment, something's got to give. Yeah something's got to give. And yeah. so if you can make an active decision or circle back to it, of this is not healthy for me as a person to engage in. And sometimes that's in relationship with other people, but sometimes that's when you're going about your daily thing, like social media, for example, you know, a lot of people are super glued to it all the time. And that can be a form of shutting down because you're tuning out everything else. Yep. It's like this really covert way of, you know, dissociating. And so making it, you know what, this is taking too much. Let me do an experiment here and take it off my phone for, you know, a week or two and see what I notice in terms of my thoughts, my energy, my mood. You'll get a lot of information very quickly out of that about how if something is robbing you of something that you need to, to claim back. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great distinction to make. And again, it's a lot of these overlap and build on each other. I mean, I'm I'm we we've just talked about nourishing versus depleting and and the shutting down is so depleting where the choosing not to engage now becomes a nourishing thing. So you can save yourself a lot of energy by just consciously right. directing and deciding where you're going to give your energy and your attention. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Anything else on that one? That's that's a good summary of that one. I mean, I okay. could I could always go into a lot more, but <laughs> which you probably will in your book. So we'll just save it for that. That's fine. yes, yeah. <laughs> okay, what else? So the so another one that comes a lot is insight is not enough. And yeah. here's an inconvenient truth: knowing the why of something, it's great. It's important. But you have to know the how and the when. And so, you know, knowing why you overwork, knowing why you overspend, knowing why you overcriticize, underrespond, undervalue, underassert, or underestimate yourself, getting to that, and that's, you know, therapy certainly can help with that. Knowing that why is helpful, but it doesn't necessarily change things. So that's like my car, I'm driving my car, it's not running, it's making some funky sounds. I'm like, why is it making that sound? Why is it only going 10 miles an hour? Hmm. Oh, I need a new, whatever part, I need a new belt, right? That's why if I don't take it into the shop to get a new belt, it's not going to change anything. But I have insight, like that's great. <laughs> At 10 miles why. an hour so with like, all the noise, it's, I'm, I'm super right. informed, so, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So insight <laughs> is, is, isn't always enough. And so being able to get to knowing these under or over responses that we have over critical, you know, undervaluing, for example, they're often, often rooted in our early attachments and relationships. And so knowing that seeing some of those patterns, knowing that it's not your fault, if you find yourself in some of those patterns, is that in really honoring that, oh, maybe this is a defense mechanism that I've, I've developed in some way in order to survive then. But there needs to be updating of that system as well. And so insight is great, but we need, if you really want to get back in the driver's seat, knowing how to update that system and know the how to that is a really, really critical part of it. And that's my EMDR plug because the EMDR <laughs> helps and, and other forms of therapy too help really get the insight, but also transform, get the car in the shop so you can update the parts to drive. Yeah. I love that. It's like, it's like if you have the insight, it's like an invitation. <laughs> it's not just information. It's, a, mm -hmm. it's an invitation right. to, to now yeah. do something about it, right? Right. Oh, I love that. You yep. can use that. In your book. Yeah, I'm going to quote. I'm going to question. <laughs> no, I'm going to take a note of that. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so so the insight, I think, and I know for me, like sometimes insight can feel like so relieving to be like, oh, I finally understand this. And it can give me mm -hmm. the illusion that I'm changing. Right, right. But yeah. I'm just wiser and still gimping along. <laughs> Right. So it's a solid start. It's right. a solid start, but we got it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So we can exactly. definitely fool ourselves. And I, I know like in a lot of the addiction recovery work that I've been involved in for a lot of years with my clients, like mm -hmm. we often talk about an intellectual recovery and, mm -hmm. and how some of the, yeah. some of the folks, some of the good people I work with come in and they are well, uh, more well-versed in this stuff than, than I am or other therapists or other experts. And boy, they can just talk circles around me, but yet they're still crossing lines and betraying themselves and loved ones and acting out all the time. And, mm -hmm. and so, yeah, I mean, th there are so many concrete examples of where insight can really fool us into believing that we're somehow moving forward. Right. And being, you know, being curious about that versus critical is the catalyst. To yeah. I think bridges the gap between insight into action, like actionable change in that. Because last time I checked, no one's been criticized or shamed into positive change. It's never happened. If that was true, therapy would look a lot different. And <laughs> doesn't <laughs> and I would not be a therapist. Yeah, so exactly. That's it's you know, no one's been shamed into positive change. And so if we can look at things of in terms of every problem now, or one way to look at it is if every problem now was once a solution then, it invites some type of curiousness and compassion. You know, why is it, mm, let me be curious about why, I know, why is it if I'm, if someone, you know, disagrees with me, do I become overly defensive about something and really, really rigid? And I may have insight to that, but then the next step is, 
well, how do I work with that part of myself that's still that learned that I needed to be overly defensive in order to survive? Because that's what it's about. That's almost always what it's about. It's a younger, younger wounding that you learned very resourcefully how to function and survive. But now it's showing up in adulthood in a way that doesn't match anymore. And it's not enough just to say, well, it's just how I was raised or it's just who I am. That's a cop out, right? No. Because if it's it's totally it's, it's not working, it's not working in the relationship presently. And so the curiosity around that of okay, I have insight that yes, this is a pattern. I grew up this way, or I was modeled for me, or I've just lived my whole life like this. Insight, insight, insight. But the curiosity around like, is it still working? Can I do something different with it? What would my life look like if I started to take risks and maybe tried a different way or whatever? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, what that's would happen a good one. If, the, if the script was different in that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Fantastic. Let's keep going. These are awesome. You have any others you want to share? Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you maybe one more if we okay. have time for it. If that's okay. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So I remember exactly when I wrote this one too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I never remember exactly. And so do not confuse persistence and grit with violating your own boundaries. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, having the belief that, so persistence and grit are great things. People I've worked with, people I know, you know, I'm amazed at the tenacity, the resilience, their ability to move through tough stuff and start to live life on their terms and become- you know, write themselves back in the narrative and be, that's a line from Hamilton, and be not only authors, but the editors of their experience as well. But having the belief that you have to white knuckle your way through pain, conflict, chaos, stress is no bueno. It's often a trauma response. And that's, you know, there may have been a time where earlier where someone had to adapt and had to learn how to bear down and just kind of grit their teeth and power through and totally bypass their own needs in order to survive. And if that's true, at that time it was resourceful and it was mad necessary. Like you had to do that to survive. But, you know, and then as we get older, sometimes that type of behavior can be praised like that defense of that adaptation then gets reinforced over time. Wow, you work so hard. Wow, you can handle so much. You're amazing. You're the strongest. It's like the superhero cape, like, oh, I see your cape flapping in the wind. You, you know, I don't know how you do it all type thing. And that may have served you then, but it most likely isn't going to serve you now and that. And so persistence and grit involves being really clear and honoring your own boundaries, respecting your time, your energy, your attention, when your body and mind need rest, not waiting for the weekend to do self-care as like an afterthought, you know, being able to still be really dedicated in your life and your work and what you're doing, but also be respectful of your own home, your body and your mind. So don't power through. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's so seductive, isn't it? Because 
like you said earlier, we, we do get reinforced and rewarded for, for persistence and grit. And like, it's, it's tricky. It's so it takes a lot of discernment because there are situations that the only way we're going to mm-hmm. get through it is through that persistence and grit. Like it, it's what it, it's what's mm-hmm. called for. We have to just get through it to the other side. But then asking the uh, questions. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, it makes me think of switching my light here. I have a happy light going because it's dark here in Connecticut and it just turned on and it's right in my eye. Oh, fantastic. Um, so we have, it's good for mental health. You know, that powering through, I think, can show up as denial about how deep an issue runs or it can, it can show up as avoidance yeah. of emotions in your body. It can show up that powering through is distracting yourself from discomfort. A lot of times like that, I'm distracting myself from stillness or discomfort through work, through food, through sex, through gossip, social media, shopping, whatever it is, under the guise of like, oh, I'm just chilling and taking care of myself. But really, it's something different. And so instead of powering through, we really need so a reframe of it is what is it like to power with, to engage, to connect, to know how to dip in and out of of discomfort without drowning in it. That's grit. That's true grit and resilience is knowing how to step in and step out and move with and not relinquish control, not surrender control, but redirect it in a way that's purposeful and meaningful and keeps you rooted in love and connection with yourself and other people. Yeah. This one is, uh, I think it's so common, right? I mean, it, it just mm-hmm. feels so. It feels so familiar to me, and, and for so many of the good people I've I've interacted with, both personally and professionally, I think we all are so vulnerable to this one. Do you? I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, here, Erica. Do Do you have any concrete examples of what this might look like, so that we can give our listeners a little bit of a taste of maybe just a starting point for their own reflection? Yeah. So. You know, for I'm thinking of when I wrote this, right? So when what prompted me to reflect on this was that I was in a period of my life where there are a lot of different responsibilities going on. We're in the middle of COVID. I'm running a business. I'm seeing my own clients. I'm a mother. We're now doing homeschooling, dealing with so many other things about and worries about the state of the world while still trying to run the same type of life that existed before the world turned on its axis, right? So I found myself as someone who's been praised, who's been believed in myself as someone who's really resilient. It's one of my superpowers. And I love that about myself. Sometimes though, I can kind of trick myself into taking on too much. And so what I found is I'm like, oh, wow, I'm handling this all so well, or like, I'm just going to white knuckle my way through this. But what I found was that I was actually violating my own boundaries of peace. I was not engaging in things that nourished me as much. I wasn't writing. I wasn't listening to enough music. I wasn't laughing. I like, I'm the type of person like, if I'm laughing, I'm really my joy. I like snort. Like that's the litmus <laughs> test of like the real, true, like authentic laugh. And that I'm like, wow, I've actually been violating my own boundaries under the guise of I'm so persistent. I've got so much stamina. 
we're just going to power through, mm. power through this. And that's for my own conditioning that I, you know, go back and start to dismantle and then reshape into another cool shape. So that's one example. And I hear that echoed through some other people as well. I hope some listeners, it echoes through them as well. I'm like, this is, I'm like, why am I voting parts of myself off the island in order for what? Yeah. No, I relate to that. Yeah. I, I yeah. absolutely understand that. I like when you talk about it echoing or relating, I, absolutely. Where it's like, and when things just change or stop, whether, you know, conditions change or I finally get enough or I power down, like we talked about earlier. And then all of a sudden I start to notice, like you said, those parts of me that are missing. Then it's like, oh, I need to start setting up some clear boundaries. And, the, and then the transformation starts to happen. But mm -hmm. you're right. We can lie to ourselves so easily that we just have to do this. I remember my wife years ago saying to me, Jeff, like, you're not on a train that can't get off the track. Like, you've told yourself, like, you're steering the train. <laughs> right, right, right. And I was like, no, I, I got it. That gets it. It's locked in. We got, I just got to keep doing this. I got it, you know. <laughs> Just believing that. train, never going back. <laughs> and I, yeah, it's just this narrative yeah. I was telling myself that I just, it's, it's my only option. I have to keep powering through. And, and it was such mm -hmm. a violation of my own boundaries and boundaries and relationships and being present for my family and, and myself and connecting spiritually and so many things that I was missing because I was just gritting through it. And, yep. and I love that permission, Eric. I really do. I love the permission to slow down and say, you can still work hard. You can still have grit. Yeah. You can still have those resilient parts of you, but you now get to consciously decide when you apply those and when you don't. And yeah, you need rest and recovery that it's yeah. It, one of the last year I ran, was it last year? Yes. This year's felt like 10. So I've lost. <laughs> I know. Um, you know, last year I ran my first marathon and the lessons I learned from that around persistence, grit, and the importance of rest and recovery were so huge because if I were to have ran every single day as hard as I could or done speed intervals or hill drills or whatever it was every single day, that would have never worked. One of the biggest thing that I learned from that is that the rest days and the off days and the recovery days and nutrition just as important, if not more than the actual physical training. And there was a point where I overtrained and I ended up injured. Mm -hmm. So our bodies will let us know too. We just tend to override our minds a little bit more. Well, and then, you know, then, you know, and this is no slam on, on people like David Goggins or some of these other super athletes that just, you know, are, are teaching lessons about just pushing through incredible odds. I think sometimes we can hear that stuff and think that that's how life should be all the time. Right, And I think, no, like, I think what I'm inspired by with guys like David Goggins and others is that I can do that if I need to. Right. You're in control of the on and off switch. Make it a yeah. dimmer. Yeah. You know, yeah. you want disco lights and all that stuff. You can activate that disco activate if you need to, but mm -hmm. you also can turn it down yeah. when you need to. Yeah. Just yep. because we can, and we know it's capable, we're capable of it or believe we can. Does it mean it has to become a lifestyle? So I love that. Exactly. I love that. Right. And yeah, we're, we're, yeah, that's fantastic. Wow. Thanks. Good stuff. So, okay. So these are, these pep talks, just as we're wrapping up here, you know, like I said in the beginning, like 
we have to pendulate into this space where, you know, going from one extreme of like working hard, going deep, you know, heavy stuff, stressing out, maybe unhealthy patterns, like we're just grinding, grinding, grinding. And these pep talks are really just a way of just having a way to pause on the trail and just slow down and say like, and ask yourself these really intentional questions or have these really intentional sort of reframe moments where it's like, you know, a choice point. Like, do I want to keep doing this? Is there a different way right. of looking at this? That's what these are for you. Right. Yeah. An internal check-in mm-hmm. with yourself yeah. just to, you know, if they, people, you know, you call a timeout during a basketball game, right? If the intention is to stop what's going on for it to go any further. So you can check in, come up with a plan and then get back in. I love it. And so yeah, pull out the clipboard, can, look at all the movements. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Draw some exactly. lines, figure out if this is really working. I love it. It's a great analogy. Yeah. Is this really working? Thought it, just because I'm doing it all the time doesn't mean it's working. So. <laughs> yep. Guys, you're working really hard out there, but yeah, we need to change up the plan. So. Right. Oh, right. that's great. So is that going to be the name of your book? Pep Talks? Pep Talks. Yes. Conversations to put everything into perspective. Oh, I love it. I love it. So, you know, no pressure here because we're not going to make, you know, obviously you're not going to do more than you can, but uh, do you have a timeline on this? Because <laughs> I'm super interested in this book. Right. The goal is spring 2021. Oh, I love it. Right. That's pretty New awesome birth. to birth a book in 2020 and have it show up in 2021. That's what we need. Yes. And I think we'll all be ready for some pep talks in 2021. I know, right. Depending how this winter goes, you may just see my experience throughout the book. I'm like, oh, that must have been winter of 2020. Yeah, exactly. This one's a little darker, Erica. Oh, now it's a little... You'll have some serious material for sure to work with. Oh my goodness. No, that's fantastic. And and again, all my awesome followers, like you should be checking out her Instagram and looking because I the, a lot of these pieces probably have, a lot of these pep talks probably have their beginnings in some of your early right. morning journaling and, and yeah. post-it notes, right? Yep. It's under Erica Wilcox therapy. Okay. Yep. I'll put a link yeah. to that. And cool. so people can find that because uh, this is great stuff. So awesome. Well, anything else just uh, in conclusion here before we wrap up? Or have we Thank said you it all? so much for having me. This, this was great. It was fun. I hope uh, well, we'll see each other again soon. And I really appreciate it. What a great time. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Erica, for making time. We'll talk later. All right. If you want to connect with Erica and her group, you can find her on Instagram at Erica Wilcox Therapy, or you can also find her at Wilcox Wellness Therapy. Her website is wilcoxwellness.com. And I'll put links to all these in the show notes so you can find her along with some other uh, resources that she linked on EMDR and some other stuff. So she's got a great website, lots of cool resources. And again, always producing just awesome stuff to be able to help people. So she's a good one to follow. Thank you again for listening to the Illuminate podcast. Really love the support. If you find this helpful, please take a minute right now and go leave a rating, a review. I love hearing from you. I'd love to hear how this podcast is helping you in your life. I know it's making a difference. People tell me, and I know it's life-changing information because the stuff that we talk about on here has changed my life. These experts and these people that I visit with are people that I look up to that have inspired me. And I'm just so grateful for the influence that they've all had on my life. And so I hope they do the same for you. So please pass it along, leave reviews, share feedback, all of it. Just let people know there's such great information on these podcasts. And I'd hate for them just to sit and not be used by people who are looking for answers. 
So thank you for all your support and all your efforts in getting the word out. And as always, if you have feedback or comments or questions or suggestions for the podcast, I'm easy to get a hold of. So drop me a line. Let me know what you need, what would be helpful, and I will see if I can work it in. Okay. Thank you again. I look forward to being with you all in the next episode. Until then, we'll see you later.